hey there, what's shaking bacon? Look at that. I am a poet and I just don't know it. Now, right now you're like, no, you're not a poet. You're not even funny. You need to move on to the podcast. Well, that's what I'm going to do. So welcome to episode 214 of the Everyday Missionary Podcast. Uh, and today uh, I'm, I'm going to deal with something. It's not going to be a long podcast. I don't think it demands a great deal of time for me to kind of pound this one out. But it's something that I have been noticing for a while now. And then what I've noticed is sort of a part of a long heritage that I have noticed uh, in our evangelical circles. And it's all kind of come to a head in the last like I don't know, week and a half or so. And so I'm like, man, I'm just going to go ahead and dedicate a little bit of time to the topic. And then from that, hopefully springboarded into what we should actually be caring about, as opposed to some of the things we're told we're supposed to care about when they may in fact not be issues that are that big a deal for us to care about when it comes to life inside the church. All right. So that's kind of what I'm dealing with today. Now, Here's what I've kind of noticed over the course of time. I, I agree with uh, a guy named Sky Jatani who says we are living in a time that is all about the evangelical industrial complex. All right. And what he means by that is that in the last, you know, like 60 years, roughly, uh, there's been an entire industry that has blossomed and bloomed and spilled over into the evangelical world. And that industry is an industry of of books and lectures and seminars and workshops and you know conferences and video materials and everything else and it makes millions and millions of dollars every single year. It churns out data and and stuff that we can purchase and then we purchase it in droves. And part of the problem of this, and this is part of that bigger problem of even just how Christianity in the United States has become such a consumer-driven thing that you have mega churches with huge budgets and tons of money all inside Christianity in the United States. Um, and, and in that context, then we have this desire to consume more stuff. And then from that, the evangelical industrial complex needs to churn out more stuff that we can purchase to keep the machine sort of going, right? So that's true to publishing companies. That's true to, again, people on the speaking circuit, you name it, it's all over the place, right? That's kind of the thing. And what I've noticed in the 30 years that I have been kind of rummaging around the evangelical church is that it seems like every year or two years, there's this new great threat, right? There's always a threat that is endangering the life of the church. And if the church doesn't take action against that threat, the church is in dire straits, big trouble. Our kids are going to be off the rails. We're going to be off the rails. We're talking cats chasing dogs. Madness, I say, right? Like that's always going to be like the thing that kind of happens. That's the warning that's there. And so it is this movement or that movement, this group or that thing, this speaker or that individual, like there's always the saying. And then from that, books flood out, conferences are called to attention to deal with the crisis and the problem, because if we don't deal with it, the church is in just the worst place that it's ever been in the history of the church. It's kind of like pushed that way. And so we spend millions of dollars buying the books, going to the conferences, uh, getting the videos, whatever it is, right? We make those investments. And so I've watched that over the course of time. And and as that's happened, I, I've more and more began to feel like uh, that these things were constantly warned of as the great danger to the church. They're like creating an artificial boogeyman. 
And that boogeyman gets elevated and one person says it. So another person jumps onto it and they're saying it too. And then a third person, cause they all kind of know, Hey, people are paying money to hear about that boogeyman. And so they all jump onto the boogeyman bandwagon. I don't know if I can even spit that out. The boogeyman bandwagon. They all jump onto that. They churn out the materials. We pay for the materials. And then like in two years, we find that, Oh, we must have stopped the threat. It went away because it doesn't seem to recycle for at least 10 years. And then the same topics kind of come up and it's a great danger. We got to watch out for the boogeyman that may not really be there. So that's the thing I have seen. And I've watched for the last year plus now that same rising boogeyman coming up to the surface of the great danger of the church and that great danger that threatens the very fabric and life of the evangelical church, church everywhere, is this idea of the danger of wokeness. Or more recently, it's been the danger of critical race theory as it relates to wokeness. Now, here's my issue with that. And I'm going to go a couple of different directions with that, right? First of all, I am not going to uh, deny the reality that in our society, there is an element of wokeness that is um, unforgiving that in the name of love is unloving and the name of tolerance is intolerant. Like that's really true. And the motivation or the methodology, at least of that level of wokeness is you see it our way or we cancel you. You see it our way or we bury you. And when we bury you, there is no room for resurrection, right? There's no room for forgiveness. At best, we don't just continue to pummel you once you've admitted your flaw, right? Like there is definitely that form of wokeness within our society. And when it comes to things like critical race theory, there are certainly those on the super far left, like your Marxist type people that have advocated for and wanted to kind of utilize some of the content of critical race theory to advocate for their bigger political agenda. That's absolutely true as well. But here's the thing I'm going to say about this. When it comes to wokeness or critical race theory being the great danger For inside the church, that is a boogeyman. That is not an actual thing. I do not know of evangelical churches that are genuinely flirting with or falling victim to that radicalized form of wokeness or critical race theory. But what I'm hearing now is you need to be aware because your church might be going down that road. And so uh, there's been different examples of that in last year. There's been conferences. There was the Dallas um, uh, kind of statement on social justice, which was a bunch of uh, fundamentalist conservative uh, Christians that came together and said, we need to basically warn of social justice. Uh, and in the midst of that, kind of forgetting that the Old Testament is replete with issues of social justice. Like it almost was like a reaction to our culture as opposed to an unpacking of a biblical concept. And so there was a little bit of that problem there. But guess what? That is a part of the evangelical industrial complex. And so that generates kind of information that generates books, that generates conferences, and then people go to that and money spent and the machine keeps churning. And then where this even came to roost more is like, I've noticed books starting to kind of all churn out like wokeness in the church is the great danger. About a week and a half ago, Josh uh, McDowell was doing a conference and it was on the five greatest dangers to the church right now. And One of those was critical race theory and wokeness, which the irony of that was in the midst of him giving that particular lecture, he talked about how people of color are basically lazy and don't like to work. 
And therefore, he had to resign his position, step back, and realize that maybe he's got some biases that he didn't realize were there, which is one of the points of critical race theory to help us see the biases we may not be aware of. Josh McDowell, pretending to be uh, an expert on critical race theory, actually violated one of the rules of critical race theory and exposed himself as saying something that he himself acknowledges as being insensitive and somewhat racist. That, I thought, was an irony right there. But what it was, was he was on the bandwagon of the boogeyman that all of us in the church need to be aware of because our churches are going to be destroyed inside the church if we don't deal with this problem, right? And then just this week, I saw that Mark Driscoll is firing up the printing press again and he's published a book and it's all about the danger of wokeness. And he says, I quote, I'm going to make a lot of people mad with this book. And I go, here's what that tipped me off to. Driscoll simply sees what McDowell sees, which is other people have seen the same thing, which is it's the artificial boogeyman. It's not really a threat inside the church, but we'll tell the church it's a threat inside the church. And then from that, we'll write materials, go to conferences, have all this stuff put together, and the machine keeps churning. Now, here's why, and especially the Driscoll one just kind of made me laugh because it's like, dude, of all the things you could address, you're going to address this. Like, instead of addressing, like, you know, your lack of repentance, the devastation of Mars Hill, the fact that you have abusive leadership, you're going to deal with the great danger of, of, of the church's wokeness. When, in fact, I'd probably say the great danger of the church is leadership like that in the church. That's a far greater danger than the the topic at hand, right? But but this all kind of highlights the same problem, which is every few years we have another new boogeyman that we have to watch out for, or our kids are going to go off the rails, uh, our churches are going to lose their effectiveness, Jesus is going to divorce himself from the context of the church because we're all down some social justice rabbit hole or whatever. And... And what I want to say about that, again, is not that there isn't things to be aware of, but when it comes to this topic, this is not the danger that is inside the church, right? It's just not. I mean, think about it. How many evangelical Christians do you know that you go, wow, they are guilty of wokeness? Now, I don't mean they're guilty of suddenly being awake to a couple of things, because there's a difference between wokeness and being awakened to some problems. I mean, even Paul talks about, man, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, right? Like, he's like, man, you, you, we're all growing and we're all learning. And it's amazing over the course of my 30 years of serious Christianity, where there were things I didn't know were sinful in my life. And then I realized one day, like, whoa, that's a bad idea. That's a bad thing. That's a bad action. That's a bad mentality. That's a bad perspective. And then I repent from it. So, so there is this reality that we're all coming to learn new things. And over the course of my 50 years of life, I've come to see where there were things in me that did definitely sound biased, xenophobic, racist, especially when I was younger. And I just thought that's just the way things were. That's just the way you did things. Those are just the words you use. And we've grown, right? So all of that's going to be true, that we are coming to a fresher awakeness about the things of life. But when you look inside the church, how many people do you know inside the evangelical church are truly woke? Woke, right? Like, it's not a threat inside the church. It's a threat made up inside the church as a danger to being inside the church, but it's not technically inside the church. Now, do I bring all of this up because I'm wanting to pick on those who are pushing these materials right now? No, that's not really actually my intention. My intention is perspective. 
And my intention is to say, I think it's totally responsible for us as believers to look at our outside world, to assess the outside world, to see different ideologies that are floating around outside in the world, and from that to have a good biblical response for those ideologies, to have some nuance in that response saying, hey, there's hyper this, there's moderate this, there's loose that, like, you know, not everybody in a camp all represents the extreme ideology of that camp. That's not necessarily the case. And so we kind of realize that there is a range or a bandwidth inside bandwidth inside different ideologies that we're sensitive to that, that our apologetics are honest apologetics and not just trying to build straw man arguments against the most radical form of things and act like the most radical form is the standard form, right? Like we want to be wise to that. We want to be aware of how to interact with the world around us and the things that it believes. But at the same time, when it comes to our assessments inside the church, we want to be clear on that too. And we don't want to drum up fears that aren't there. We don't want to be spooked by things that are not actual problems. We don't want to run around talking about how the sky is falling when there is no sky to the subject inside the church. And more important than that to me is that there are actual problems and dangers and threats inside the church. And those, those we should pay attention to. Those are the things that will erode the church from the inside out. So our legalism our utilization of shame, our toxic leadership within churches, our propensity to probably be too aligned with nationalism, uh, you know, our inability to really love the disbelieving world, to lean into those who may not want good for us, but we want good for them. Like those are things that threaten the fabric of the church, of not being like Jesus, not taking the red letter seriously, uh, of, of not actually leaning into the relationship Christ has for us, not pursuing that organic nature, but instead just settling for the checklist of rules, Christianity, as opposed to that press in deep and have a withness in Christ more than just simply trying to have a witness for Christ. Like all of that is the greater threat to the church. And so I highlight this because I think sometimes what happens for us as Christians is it's just easier to create a boogeyman and we can all rally around the danger of the boogeyman as opposed to look ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, what's really broken? What's the real problem? Where are we falling down on the job? Where are churches driven more by rule keeping than spirit living? Or where are churches more focused and fixated on their physical growth and footprint more than on their spiritual depth and development? See, these are the things that we should most care about. These are the things that we should most analyze in our own individual lives and in the lives of churches all around our country. Like I said, it is easy to pick a straw man. It is easy to pick a fake menace and say, this is what we need to really focus on right now. And then we read our books and we quote our people and we go to these conferences and everything else. And still the church kind of limps along impotently within our culture. Like, I believe that the church is meant to thrive. I I believe that the church is meant to be a beacon of hope and a beacon of grace. And I believe it's to be a people that are truly radically filled with a power that is not of this world. And that power makes them compelling. That power displays lives that are altogether like Jesus and altogether unlike the world that people see around them. Like we should be that place where people go, man, I don't know what drives you. I don't know what mobilizes you. I don't know what stabilizes you, but it's so deep, so real, so supernatural, so undeniable. I want to understand that. 
But when we're busy chasing phantoms and these artificial boogeyman and even in doing that, we, we, we elevate ideologies that cause us to demonize or vilify outsiders, thinking those outsiders are trying to bring disruption to the insides of the church. Just that is just chasing needless things. See, I believe there are things we need to chase right now. I believe there are things we need to course correct, things we need to repent for, things we need to address dramatically and sincerely and with a, a great sense of humility in the process. Because I do think there are threats in the church, but I don't think it's wokeness and I don't think it's critical race theory, right? Just as much as the other 15 different kind of alarms that went off over the last 30 years, it wasn't those things either, right? It's always going to be when the church fails to act and be like Christ. When the church fails to be the church, that is the danger of the church, And it was like I even talked about in the podcast last week. Jesus says that's the great danger to the church. He says, you know what? If you claim me, but you're not really reliant on me, if you claim me, but you don't live for me, if you claim me and you even have good doctrine and good deeds, but you don't have love, I will pull my blessing from you and you will cease to be an effective church. See, that's the stuff that we should be far more concerned about than anything else. And I believe if we do that as individuals and collectively as churches and we set our sights on what matters most and we set our our kind of our disposition to weed out what harms us the most, it will be in that space that we will be more effective everyday missionaries.